Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We're presented by WinBet Betting. It's a team sport bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here inside the studio. I am so pumped today because we finally have Thomas Jones on the official pod. TJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know what I was thinking about? That we're coming up on almost... 16 years since the Jets acquired you in a trade from the Chicago Bears back in 2007. What was that moment like for you? 16 years, man. (laughs) 16. Why do you have to say that, man? 16. Uh, Hey, listen, you're still looking good. That's crazy, man. Like, you know, I mean, my time in the Jets was so great. And, and, you know, with the Jets in New York. Um, that it feels like it was yesterday. So to, to actually hear 16 years is surreal. Um, How'd you find out about the deal? Uh, so I, I was, uh, you know, I was obviously I was in Chicago and, and we had just uh, played in the Super Bowl. And, um, uh, you know, I was having some issues with, with, uh, with the management in regards to just, you know, renewing my contract, giving me a new contract, uh, you know, whether or not they were going to trade me or not. Um, you know, just business stuff. And uh, I just so happened to be in New York with my publicist. Uh, there was a um, uh, a fashion show at that time that BET uh, produced called Rip the Runway. Yep. And so uh, they had reached out to my publicist uh, because they wanted me to to actually be a part of the fashion show and um, and model some of the some of the clothes, the clothes. And so I was in New York for the fashion show, and um, I knew that we were in conversation with several teams for potential trade. But I was I was headed to the rehearsal for the Rip the Runaway fashion show, and my phone rang, and it was my agent Drew Rosenhaus. And uh, the first thing he says is, "Hey, where are you?" I said, "Oh, well, I'm in New York." And he goes, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I'm in New York. I'm headed to a." Uh, a rehearsal for a fashion show. He goes, you're not going to believe this. Uh, the Jets want to trade for you. And I was like, what? You know, it was just because I was assuming that we were going to get something done in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, I just played in the Super Bowl. You know, we had a great team. You know, we had a great nucleus. I figured, okay, they'll bring me back. Um, and he said they wanted to trade for me. And I said, okay, well, that's great, I guess. You know, I don't know all the details, but... Um, you know, yeah, tell me more. So he goes, well, the fact that you're in New York is great because they were going to fly you into New York immediately, like today. Um, but you're already there. How far away are you from Long Island? Um, and I was like, well, I'm in Manhattan. I'm in the city. He was like, okay, well, um, how soon can you get to Long Island to the Jets facility? And I was, you know, I didn't know, but I asked the driver and he said, well, we can get there. It's traffic, you know, maybe an hour uh, with traffic. I said, okay. So me and my publicist, we found out, um, that the Jets wanted to trade for me in a in a, a SUV headed to rehearsal for a fashion show in New York. So it's crazy. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, and listen, you have you had so many interests off the field, and we're going to get to what you're doing now. But did your head start spinning at that time? Like, hey, this is going to be a cool opportunity to play with the Jets, but maybe. I can get into some things off the field and maybe those experiences are going to help me post-career. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Chicago is a great city. There's a lot of opportunities in Chicago outside of football. Um, you know, but New York is is New York. You know, it's 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 uh, the mecca. You know, of 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 opportunities. You know, and so um, at the time, I was really focused on okay, what is my football career right. going to look like? Um, you know, if I'm traded here. Um, but also I love New York city. Uh, I went to college with a lot of guys that are from New York that I became really good friends with. I spent a lot of time in New York, um, throughout my NFL career, even up until that point. And so, um, I was excited about the opportunity to play in New York city. Um, but you know, being into fashion and being into other things that I, that I was interested in outside of football, I mean, that would have been the perfect place for me to be traded to from Chicago. But did you get in, um, introduced to anybody in the film world in New York at that time? Well, I played for the Cardinals for three years. And so right. I was very close to, to you know Los Angeles, 45 minute flight away. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time in L.A. because honestly, you know, I, I wasn't really a big fan of, of Phoenix. Uh, I was coming from Virginia, coming from the East Coast. So uh, I was a, I was a, culturally uh, I was a, I was a little more comfortable being on the East Coast. Um, Phoenix was a great city, beautiful city, but at that time, you know, I was young, uh, 21, you know, fresh out of college, you know, I was used to a certain type of energy, East Coast energy. So it was like a culture shock for me when I, when I was drafted by the Cardinals. So I spent a little more time in LA because, um, it was a little more lively, a little faster pace. So I've met a lot of people in the industry, uh, music and film while I was in Los Angeles. I, I had a lot of relationships um, from that, that my time in Arizona. So, um, New York and LA are the two biggest, you know, uh, places for entertainment. And so they kind of go hand in hand. So, um, yeah, I had met a lot of people in LA that were working in New York and, you know, uh, by coastal back, back and forth. So I had a lot of relationships in New York in the entertainment industry at that time too. How would you describe those three years? Oh, seven and Jets fans will relate to this right now quarterback instability for you in 07 tough year then you produced on the ground 08 Brett Favre comes in and the team I remember overtime victory in New England the following week you went to Tennessee undefeated Titans team and you put uh, put a thumping on them eight and three looked like a Super Bowl favorite but then it fell apart down the stretch. Uh, let's talk about those first two years first as you got your feet on the ground here. Yeah, the, I mean, the first year was was tough, growing pains, you know. Um, it's part of uh, building a team, you know. Um, I think the year before that, they had gone to the playoffs in 2006. Yep. The Jets went to the playoffs. And we actually played the Jets that year in 06 in New York. We beat, I think we won like 10 to 3 or something like that. You ran um, for over 100 yards in that game, I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually played back-to-back games. We played the Giants, and then we flew uh, back to New York and played the Jets in back-to-back weeks. Um, so, you know, they had a really good season that year. You know, they made it to the playoffs, and so they had a good nucleus. I think, you know, in 07, um, Chad Pennington ended up being uh, injured, and, um, and we had a lot of young players that had to come in and make plays, and on offense and defense, I know um, the offensive line was young. You know, we, we kind of had like a musical chairs uh, going on with the offensive line. So I don't think we had too much stability there. 
Um, and also on offense, um, you know, we actually cut all of the fullbacks. And so um, we were using the tight ends uh, to run ISO and uh, certain plays that traditionally a fullback would be in. So um, there were some growing pains there. I think I had one rushing touchdown and one, one shovel pass touchdown. Uh, but I had over 1,100 yards and over 300 carries. So I took a beating that year. But, you know, that's part of the running back position, man. Mm. You know, I mean, you, you get the ball, you know, you're going to get hit. Uh, hopefully you can wear defenses down in, in, in the second half. You know, there's, um, they're tired of hitting you and, and you know, some creases open. Um, so I, it was a tough year for me coming off of a Super Bowl year in the last two seasons where I was in the playoffs to being 4-12 and 12 and, um, and not really having a lot of production. But I knew if I had some help coming in the next year, which was 08, uh, then I could get back to my old Chicago self. And that's what happened in 08. Favre came in, um, you know, gave us an opportunity to throw the ball down the field, which stretched the defense. Now it's not 8-9 in the box every week. Brought in some incredible offensive linemen, Damian Woody, Alan Fanica. Brought in one of the best, arguably the best fullback in the history of the NFL, Tony Richardson. Um, I mean, he's known for leading running backs to the Pro Bowl, 1,000-yard seasons. Um, and then, you know, we we just came together at the right time, you know, in that, in that 08 season. So, uh, yeah, drastically different seasons, but also drastically different teams and drastically different experiences, for sure. Oh nine, was that magical from your perspective? I mean, what the team did, you yourself, I think 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns on the ground, uh, and you were the definition of a workhorse. <laughs> uh, man, that was, that was a, that's a running back's dream that year, uh, to have a great defense that's going to get you the ball back and uh, you know have a, a, a great offensive line, great fullback. <laughs> Um, even though you have a young quarterback, uh, you know, who's learning on the go, um, you know, that still puts a lot of the uh, onus on you as the running back to to produce. And so uh, any running back worth a grain of salt wants that situation. Uh, they want to be in that position where they're getting 25, 30 carries a game. Um, that's that's why you're in the NFL. You're in the NFL to get the ball to produce. Um, and so that year was probably the most fun I've ever had. And also, I think. It was, I was 31, I think, 31. So I felt like I had finally earned the right uh, to to be the guy because every year up until that point, it felt like there was always someone they were trying to replace me with or figuring out how we can uh, supplement him as opposed to saying, hey, this is the guy. So I think that season was the first year I felt, hey, I'm going to be able to get mo the majority of the carries um, and I have fully the weight of the offense on my shoulders. You were here three years. Twice your teammates voted you most inspirational. What did that mean to you personally that you had that kind of respect from the guys in the room, your peers? It means everything. You know, I mean, you're with these guys every day. You're in the locker room. You're, uh, you know, you're in the training room. Um, you know, you're on the practice field. Uh, you know, we're traveling together, um, you know, we're having pregame meal together, uh, and then we're going to battle on the field. And so um, out of all the guys on the team, for the, the guys to vote you as the most inspirational player or person on the team, that's the biggest accolade that you could receive. 
obviously the NFL is about wins and losses and championships, but internally, um, what is the infrastructure of a team? Uh, what does the leadership look like? Um, what does the accountability look like? Uh, and, and I was always big on accountability and being a leader and leading by example. So to be voted most inspirational by my teammates, uh, it let me know that every day that I spent watching extra film, every day that I uh, stayed in the weight room, every day that I uh, was the last one to leave the facility, um, every day that I was hard on a player because I wanted him to be the best that he possibly could be, and also um, I wanted to win, um, it let me know that they appreciated that. And uh, that meant everything to me. So it doesn't get any better than that. How much did you appreciate the people in the building? Because what always struck me about you was your relationship with the equipment guys. That's not something that people on the outside see. But during open locker room periods, the media would be down there three, four times a week for 45-minute sessions and stuff like that. And you were always with the guys. One of my buddies, Brendan Berger, was always around yeah, your locker room. Yeah. I love those guys, man. I mean, I've all, but I've always been infatuated with just the game of football, um, the X's and O's, um, the history of the game, but also the equipment and uh, the cleats and the shoulder pads. And I've always, you know, from a little kid, I was I was always intrigued by uh, the equipment. And so um, in high school, college, and in every NFL team I was on, I was always spending a lot of time with the, with the guys in the equipment room building relationships with those guys. And I also appreciate the fact that they're the ones that are taking care of us. You know, they're the ones that are making sure our helmets have air in them. They're, they're making sure that we have the right shoulder pads that fit. Um, I mean, they, they care a lot about us enough there to, you know, they're washing our, our socks and, you know, our, um, you know, shirts and thermals and, and workout gear. I mean, you know, that's a very humble, humbling job. And I'm a very humble person. My mom and dad worked in the coal mines for 19 years. So I think I always gravitate towards people who, um, you know, have jobs where they're, um, they can easily be overlooked and easily be underappreciated. Under, under I gravitate towards those people. Uh, and plus, they're just good guys, man. We had some great conversations, man. You yeah. know, uh, I would get my lunch. And a lot of times, um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I was dodging the media, but... Um, I learned over my first two years in the NFL that sometimes, you know, um, if you focus too much on the media and, and they're going to ask their questions, they have a job to do. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you have to you have to find that balance between being able to give interviews and and hear the chatter and then avoid the chatter. And so uh, the equipment room was a good place for me to duck off with my food and and just sit back in there and just talk and laugh and joke. Um, and build great relationships with those guys that I have to this day. WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what you need to win. Jets fans in New Jersey, sign up today and use promo code XJETS. And after placing your first $100 wager, you will receive $100 to bet with. You will receive a $50 free bet and a $50 casino bonus. Again, the promo code is XJETS. 
Offer subject to change. Offer only available in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older to participate. Please visit winbet.com to view welcome offers available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. You had a crazy work ethic. You still do. With that being said, can you talk about the connection you had specifically with this fan base? It feels like you played longer considering what you accomplished here in New York, just the three seasons. Right. But can you talk about their attitude, their mentality, their expectations, and, and how you fit into that? Yeah, I'm from Virginia, but I've always been uh... – connected to New York, regardless of whether, whether it's fashion, music, the energy. Um, I, I've always, I've always felt like I was, uh, um, had a, had a piece of New York in me. I don't know why. Uh, so, you know, the New York fan base, man, I mean, that's, they're passionate. Uh, you know, they're, they're a little rowdy at times, uh, when need be. Um, but you know they they they're they they genuinely want to win and they genuinely want to be successful, and so I think um, you know me being able to come to New York uh, and and be able to to play running back you know running back there um, that position obviously since Curtis Martin I mean is one of the greatest of all time I mean it's, it's big shoes to fill, um, but New York is where I was supposed to go the energy is that's what I needed I needed that. Um, not to motivate me any more than I motivate myself, but it's nothing like going out, coming out of the tunnel in the Meadowlands and the New York Jets fans are saying J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and it's all green. Um, just the mystique of the stadium, the mystique of the team. Um, yeah, man, I mean, it was a match made in heaven, you know, me and the New York Jets fan base. The NFL is a business, and you talked about the trade between the Bears and the Jets. How difficult was it for you the, the couple months after 09? You guys advanced the AFC Championship game. You got a 17-6 lead over Peyton Manning and the Colts in their building. Uh, man, you were such a big part of that team and what was building. And then the organization goes out and drafts Sean Green. And then before you know it, you sign a free agency with the Kansas City Chiefs and you embark on a new start again. Yeah, I mean that's that's the NFL, and um, you know uh, Sean Green was a great back, great friend. Um, I loved sharing the backfield with him. We had some great games. We dominated some teams, embarrassed some teams. Uh, you know, I remember the Raiders. We played the Raiders out there in uh, in Oakland in '09, and we both had uh, over 100 yards. I think I had like a buck 20. He had like a buck 40 um, in the same game. You know, I mean that's. Pretty hard to do in the NFL against any NFL defense, and we dominated teams, Sean and I, and Leon Washington, you know, um, before he was injured that year. Um, but that's the business of the NFL, and I was already prepared for that because of uh, my experiences in, in Arizona and in Tampa and even Chicago. So um, a lot of times, uh, you know, guys are emotional about the NFL business, uh, but I never took it personal because I understood that it's business first. Uh, I enjoy my, my, my time with them, which, which, um, which, with, which, whichever team I'm on. Um, and those are memories that I have. And then I take the experiences and I go to the next team. Um, Do you have a favorite that, moment that you had here? Uh, the new England game, Foxborough, 2000. The overtime. Yeah. 
that was big, man. I, I remember, uh, um, you know, the Jets, because I mean, I've been, I played in five, six different conferences. And so uh, my rookie year, my first two years in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, we, well, we were in the NFC East. And then 2002, I think, is when they uh, they switched up the, 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 the divisions and then we were in the NFC West. And so then I was straight to Tampa Bay, we were in the NFC South, and I went to Chicago, we were in the NFC North. And then I went to the Jets, we were in the AFC East, and then I go to Kansas City, we're in the AFC West. So there's different rivalries and different divisions that you kind of have to get used to. And so um, after my first game in New York, uh, the what is the Spygate, Spygate game against the Patriots? My first, my first game uh, as a Jet. Um, yeah, I developed this like hatred for the for the Patriots. Um, and I think then playing at Foxborough, knowing how big that game was, knowing what was on the line, the division lead, um, and being able to win in the fashion we did in overtime, um, I'll never forget that moment. I remember sitting in, in my locker after the game, and I was just emotionally and physically drained. I think I had over 100 yards, I had about 30 carries. Um, and I was just in my locker, and I was just in tears. Like, I just couldn't, like, even move. Like, I remember Jericho Cotri and, um, and Shadi came over to my locker and I was just like bawling. Like I was just letting everything go because I gave, I had nothing left. And so uh, that moment to me was uh, was a very, very important moment for me in my career. Definitely the biggest moment for me um, personally uh, as a Jet. That's awesome. Uh, we're taping this on Wednesday morning. Tom Brady made his retirement official a couple hours ago. Right. What were your thoughts when you heard that? Um, I, I, I wasn't surprised. It's hard to let the game go, man, especially when you play as long as, as he played and as long as I played 12 years. I mean, you know, you've given the majority of your adult life to this game, to this sport, to this job, to the fans, to the public. Um, and transitioning is difficult. Um, you, you play this game as a kid and then you go on to play the game as a man and trying to figure out what you love as much or what you're just as passionate about is hard. And I understand how he can retire and then, you know, want to come back. I can, I can fully understand that because at the end of the day, you know, this is who he is. This is his identity. So um, I had, I, Tom came out the same year with me. You know, he came out in 2000 draft. And he's had an incredible career, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, so, you know, I was honored to play against him and, um, you know, I wish him the best post football. This is a great transition because you made a change yourself post career. Uh, yeah. Like you were known in your playing days as Thomas Jones. Now you are Thomas Q Jones. Can you talk right. about having another, I don't want to say personality, but, uh, but persona reinventing yourself as you would say. Yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult. Uh, once I retired in 2012, it was like, what am I going to do now? Um, even though I was interested in so many other things outside of football, I still had to find something that I was organically passionate about. Uh, and I just so happened to fall into acting. It was not something that I just was dreaming of doing or uh, that I even anticipated doing. It was just something that 
I fell into. Um, and it helped me in so many ways. It, it helped me change my uh, my mindset as this kind of OCD, um, aggressive, violent football player that um, sometimes didn't know how to turn that off, even when I wasn't on the field, um, to a more open-minded, um, more patient, uh, more understanding person that can, you know, contribute to society outside of an NFL locker room. Uh, you know, it also helped me in regards to just some of the things as football players that we don't think about or we don't um, um, uh, dwell on. Um, personal traumas, things of that nature. Um, you can't, that's not something that uh, you think about as a football player. Uh, vulnerability and weakness, that's not something you can think about as a football player. It'll get you beat. Um, but as an actor, those are those are the most powerful tools is vulnerability and weakness. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was a difficult transition, but I was very, very fortunate to find acting. Yeah, you were very honest about that and forthright. You said there was a time there that you didn't know what to do with your time when your career immediately ended. You said, hey, listen, I was a guy socially drank, but you found yourself drinking and somewhat depressed right immediately after and then you found that passion and like the thomas jones we all know and love you jump when you go into something there's nothing halfway about you <laughs> so so the other day you're texting me i looked at the timestamp. it's 2 43 in the morning so can you talk right. about your life now between miami and los angeles and what you got going acting uh producing also, yeah. you were involved, and you still might be, some application development. I don't know how you're doing it all, but can you talk <laughs> about some of the projects that you're currently working on? Working yeah, on? yeah. Yeah, I can, man. I'm a busybody, bro. I have to be busy. And that's why I think football was great for me, because there's always something to do. There's always more film to watch. There's always more weights to lift. Um, there's always more sprints to run. Uh, there's always more treatment. Always more time in the cold tub. Um, and so um, that work ethic that I had as a football player, you know, I, I just moved all that energy and put it into this. And so, yeah, I have a TV series called Johnson on Bounce TV that I'm the, uh, the showrunner and executive producer and also one of the lead actors um, that's on Bounce TV. And so, um, you know, we're preparing as though we have a season three renewal. We haven't heard officially yet. Um, but we're preparing as though we are. Uh, so if we, you know, we do get the news, then we're already on the ground running in Atlanta is where we film. Um, I'm actually hosting uh, a film festival in LA, a four day film festival, the Pan-African Film Festival, which is a huge festival. Um, and I'm one of the hosts or the host of the film festival. Um, and I'll be speaking on several panels. Uh, one of the panels is Athletes in Hollywood, which is pretty interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a few athletes now that, that have transitioned into Hollywood. Uh, myself, Matthew Cherry, who was an Oscar-winning director. Uh, Namdi Asamoa, uh, who played for the Raiders. And um, uh, he's been in some incredible films. Uh, Michael Strahan, obviously. Um, Terry Crews. So uh, it'll be a really, really cool panel. Um, I have another series that's about to be greenlit now. Uh, I can't give too many details about it, but we're literally... Uh, 
negotiating the numbers and, and, and that stuff now, right? In, like today, hopefully the deal will be done by next week. And then um, I'll post it on my social media page. Um, I have a, a, a series, a football series called Life After that's on Prime Video right now that uh, follows the lives of 12 different NFL players and it showcases some of their the struggles and triumphs of retirement. Uh, my story is included as well. Um, so, yeah, I also have a technology company. You know, I have um, a mobile app called CastStar for talent, casting talent. Um, so you can download that app. I mean, anything that I feel is going to be challenging uh, and is going to help me evolve and grow and learn new things, I just I grab it immediately because I'm addicted to information. I'm addicted to knowledge and I'm addicted to, to, to growing and evolving. Do you sleep? No, I, I don't. I sleep. I'm a napper. I'm a napper. I, you know, I go. I'm, I'm like, you know, you know those people who never charge their phone, and you're in the middle of a conversation with them, and all of a sudden the battery, the battery dies. That's me. That's <laughs> me. The battery dies, and then you charge it up on full, and then you go again. And that's, that's what makes me happy. Okay, as far as acting is concerned, how do you avoid being typecast for certain roles? Because you're a former NFL running back. You're a big dude. You got right. big pipes. I mean, you can't go through security clearance without somebody flagging you for the guns, man. Um, but but how, how did you, like, get over that hurdle? Because I got to imagine people are like, yeah, he's a big guy, and he's a former football player, so we're just going to make him the athlete. Right. Well, I, I thought about that before I started acting, and um, I added my middle initial to my stage name, Thomas Q. Jones, so hopefully it would throw people off that knew my name as a football player, at least until they had a chance to see me audition or see me on a, a show or in a film. Uh, and, and it worked because it's very easy to be typecast as an athlete because people, they don't expect you to be able to do anything else, especially if you've had a great career. Uh, they don't expect you to be able to do anything else as as well. And so um, when I started my career, I was like, hey, I want to come in this business as Thomas Q. Jones, the actor. I want to be known as that first, which means that I, everything I do in my life has to be towards Thomas Q. Jones. Thomas Jones, I almost have to forget him, at least mm -hmm. for the time being, until I'm able to earn the respect of my fellow actors, casting directors, directors, producers, and also the fans, uh, for people to see me and say, hey, that's the character on the show, and then say, oh, that was Thomas Jones from the Jets, you know? Um, so it, it took a while, it took a while, but but uh, fortunately, I think a lot of people now respect me as an actor. I've been in some really, really cool projects and I uh, had some really, really, um, really good performances, so, um, yeah, man, I feel like it's worked. What's it like being a leading man, somebody's love interest? <laughs> it's cool, man. You know, it's like being number one on the depth chart. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like being a starter. Um, you know, I've always, I always, I've always had a high expectations. I expect to be the best. I expect to compete with the best. Um, Can you talk I'm about those my... roles? Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, my first breakout opportunity I had was on a show called Being Mary Jane. Uh, which was a huge show for BET starring Gabrielle Union. And um, I was cast to play one of her love interests uh, back in 2014. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I obviously I hadn't 
acted extensively at that time, but um, the the role was cool because the, he was actually a football player. Um, and so I had to have some pretty intimate scenes with her. And, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say, I, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about the scenes. I just wanted people to take me seriously. I didn't want people to look and say, oh, you know, I don't believe him. Uh, you know, there's certain people that make a transition, whether it's an actor into music or it's an athlete into into acting, and then they don't take it serious, and then they go out there and then they kind of, um, you know, make a mockery of themselves, you know, and I just didn't want to be one of those guys. So um, it was a great experience. Gabrielle was incredible. She was dope. She's a great actress, great person. Um, and, that, and after I, I did that role, which was three episodes, it gave me a lot more confidence moving forward as a leading man, and it set my 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 expectations they were very high at that point in regards to who I was going to be in Hollywood I want to be a leading man I want to be uh, number one on on the uh, call sheet um, and and so far that's been able to happen we talked about it before briefly but straight out of Compton was that a breakthrough even though that okay this scene you're not in the movie for 15 minutes or but just right. being in a movie that was so well received mm -hmm. um, and with so many actors who you respect and it was so well uh, put out. I mean, wh what did that mean to you personally? It was, it was, uh, man, I had no idea that that movie was going to take off like that. And, and I, and I hadn't seen the film, so I didn't even know when my scene and I hadn't read the script because it's, the role was so small that they just sent me my lines. Um, and then I did the audition and it was like 50 big guys in there. And the, the name of the character is Large Man. I mean, they, they, it didn't. Even, there wasn't even a name for the guy. It was like a large man is going to do this thing. He's going to walk up to this guy and he's going to say whatever. Um, so it was very like unexpected. You know, even the audition, I went in and I was there for like an hour and uh, finally got in and said my three lines and I walked out. And then the next day they called and said, hey, we like him for the role. And then, um, you know, I'm out in Calabasas and I'm filming. And then, you know, I left. And I didn't know who else was in the film. I had, I didn't, they didn't send me the entire script. I only had like one page of lines. Um, so, you know, when I started seeing all the, the, the press and the memes straight out of, Compton, straight out of, and everybody's saying where they're straight out of, whatever their town is or city is. And I started started seeing the momentum. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty cool, you know. Um, but I hadn't seen the movie, and they invited me to the premiere. And so I went to the premiere, and I was sitting in the premiere with my manager. And uh, I was watching the film, and I was like, wow, this is good. Um, literally, I'm like, this is a good movie. Like, because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know I hadn't seen, I hadn't read the script. And then it gets dark in the theater, and then all of a sudden, I hear my voice because it was dark, and so I couldn't really see. It was nighttime on the screen, so I'm like, then I hear my voice, and I'm like, and the theater is packed. Everybody's in there. I mean, the producers, Dre, uh, Dre Q, uh, F. Gary Gray, the director. I was actually sitting next to Kenya Burris, uh, the creator of Blackish. Uh, he's sitting right next to me, and you know, I'm like, whoa, and I see my face, and I'm like. It was a it was a surreal moment. I'm like, that's me on the screen in front of all these people um, playing this role. And even though it was three lines, you know, it was, it was a pivotal point in the movie. And you could kind of hear 
after my character walked away, you could hear like the relief of the theater. And it was very powerful. It was like, whoa, that's how powerful cinema is. And, and I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden people are like kind of looking at me like that's him and they'll start whispering. So it was a cool moment, man. It was kind of like a wow, like you're really in Hollywood moment. It's dope. Hey, man, you've been so gracious with your time. I only got a couple uh, more, and then I'm going to have you. I'm going to circle back with you. We're definitely going to have you on the podcast more. You're not going to be a stranger here <laughs> to the Jets. Um, Luke Cage, uh, that series, your role in there, working with those kind of actors, uh, what was that all like? That was It was great. Um you know, shout out to Cheo Coker, the creator of the show, for believing in me and giving me an, an, an opportunity to audition. But also, um, I, the role I auditioned for, they it was uh, it was ended up they ended up casting uh, Theo Rossi, but he wrote in another character, Comanche. He wrote that character in for me because it, that character was not in the original uh, breakdown for the show. It was obviously, a character in the comic book, but um, budget wise, they were like, hey, you know, this character is kind of insignificant in the story because he was more Shade's, you know, friend, you know. Um, but Cheo saw my audition and was like, hey, this got to be perfect for Comanche. Creative, his genius creative mind. Um, but it was great working with Theo Rossi, one of the best in the business, Alfred Woodard, one of the best in the business. Um, you know, made me have to uh, bring my A game and and perform and dial in because i mean these are pros you know while while i was playing in the afc championship game you know they're on set you know um they're you know performing and uh you know working with huge actors while i'm you know running for 100 yards against buffalo or something you know it's like <laughs> you know i'm doing something drastically different than what they're both equally doing at the same time so you know i was the odd man out uh, but I loved it because it gave me an opportunity to perform under pressure. When they say action is bright lights, man, it's like, hey, it's a night game. It's Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, a whole city, whole town, whole country's watching, you know. So um, that rush was was and that dopamine release of like, this is pressure. You got to step up to the plate. Um, that was that was a great, great feeling for me. So I love those type of moments where, you know, I'm thrown in the mix and I have to, because then it's exciting. Now it feels like um, a little bit like football again. You're a young dude. You got many chapters left in that book, but if somebody were to play Thomas Jones down the line in a movie, who would you want that to be? There's, a, there's, there's this incredible young actor, young man on my show, Johnson. And he actually, I'm on, so Johnson, my character, uh, Omar Johnson is my character's name. He plays a father. Um, that's having some marital issues and uh, he has a son and you know we cast this kid to play my son um, season one of the show and we just hit it off immediately he looks like me he's got similar energy he's very very smart um, and he would be perfect to play me his name's Kalel White incredible okay. actor Love that. Love that shout out. Okay. The Jets, they're on a hunt for a veteran quarterback. They're committed to finding a veteran quarterback this offseason. Any thoughts on that? Because we talked about your Jets three years here with 
the different quarterbacks. And you went from yeah. one end of the spectrum to the other with Favre yeah. in 08. Then you go to Sanchez in 09. What do you think yeah. about with their hunt here as they look for a quarterback? I mean, I think they need someone that can come in and play now, someone that's done it, uh, someone that can uh, push uh, uh, Zach Wilson. Um, because a lot of times competition makes you better. You know, competition brings the best out of you. It did for me. I mean, I, I was in constant competition at every team. And um, I think uh, Derek Carr um, was really good out in Oakland. You know, obviously it didn't work out with him, but he's a very solid quarterback. Um, I don't know too much because, I honestly, I don't really watch much football. This time of year, I don't watch at all because I have uh, PTSD from losing the Super Bowl. So mm. um, I don't really watch the playoffs and uh, see it on Twitter, obviously, now, you know, the social media. But I don't really watch the games. You know, I'm usually doing something else. Um, but I know there's some really solid quarterbacks out there that could come in uh, and, and challenge Zach Wilson. You know, I think the kid's got talent. You know, I think he's got talent. He's got a, he's got a lot of growing up to do, man. This is the NFL. Um, nobody cares about your feelings. Nobody cares about, um, you know, your maturation process. Um, this is a business. People want to win. They want to win now. Um, they don't, you know, they're spending money on tickets now. They're not spending money on tickets for you to lose now so you can win next year. You know, um, and a lot of times young players don't really understand that because they're still young, 21 years old, 22 years old, you know. Um, but, you know, someone to come in, a veteran to come in and challenge him and um and it's going to make the whole team better thomas q jones uh, i appreciate you coming on the pod uh you have a lot of fans here in new york still the beauty of you playing with multiple teams throughout your career is that your tree has a lot of branches and now i know a lot of people are rooting for you as your career continues to ascend in Los Angeles, in Miami, in Atlanta, and, and and who's keeping you company, Al? You still got the dog and the cat, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, they still <laughs> they still rocking with me, man. Nina, my bulldog, she's uh, she'll be twelve this year, uh, and Leo, I have a, I'm a uh, my hairless cat, Leo, he'll be twelve this year too. Uh, so they're still going, man. Twelve years in the NFL, and 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 they'll both they'll both be twelve. So. 12 is a lucky number. Thanks so much, Thomas. <laughs> you got it. Thanks for having me.